On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, a new report has the alleged details on what changes we can expect in Model 3's upcoming Project Highland revamp. Plus, Tesla finally starts offering extended warranties again, including for the Model 3 and Model Y for the first time ever. Newer Teslas without ultrasonic sensors are finally getting the equivalent functionality via their cameras and more. friends alongside my canine co-hosts Daisy the Boxer and Zelina the Future Service Dog. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. Welcome to episode 399 of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast coming to you here on March 26th, 2023. As always, there is so much to get to this week. The end of another Tesla quarter is upon us, which means we will soon have some delivery numbers. We'll see how Q1 went. But in the meantime, there is plenty to talk about. Now, version 11 of the FSD beta started to roll out, and then I think Tesla probably paused it for another minor update because we do have confirmation that another point update is on the way and not a ton of people got it over the course of the week. So if, like me, you still have not received it, you hopefully will at some point during this week. Also, before I get rolling with the full slate of this week's news, the Patreon poll this week doesn't tie in to one of the news stories like it usually does, but instead, it's about the Cybertruck. It's kind of an evergreen thing, and some people in the community have been talking about it, so I thought I would poll you guys. So, as the Cybertruck gets closer, and Tesla's prices continue to fluctuate up and down, this week's Patreon poll was about what you think the base price of the quad motor Cybertruck, which is the one that's likely to go into production first, will be. Now, spoiler for next week's Patreon poll will be a part two polling you about what you think the base price of the dual motor version will be. So let's go to the numbers. I think more people voted than ever that this might be the highest vote count poll that I've done yet. And I just broke it up into price windows, 60 to 70,000, 70 to 80, 80 to 90, 90 to 100, and higher than $100,000. The pretty decisive winner in this poll with 43% of the vote was 80 to $90,000. So almost half of you who voted thought it would be 80 to 90 for the quad motor base price. 27% of you thought it would go higher than that, 90 to 100,000. As you'll recall from my New Year's prediction show, I'm in that group. I'm in the 90 to 100. I, I, I think I had said 95, although that was before the big Model Y uh, $12,000 you know, price cut. So that's certainly another thing to take into account. But uh, there's that. And then 22% of you, not too far behind, were in the seventy dollars to $80,000 camp. So some, uh, I love the optimism there. 3% ultra optimistic, thinking sixty dollars to $70,000 for the quad motor. I sure as heck hope you all are correct. And then 4% of you thought it would be higher than $100,000. So thanks to everybody who took the time to vote in the poll this week. 
A reminder that you do not need to be backing me on Patreon in order to vote in the poll each week. That is open to everybody. So you can head to my Patreon page every, usually Tuesday night. And uh, spoiler, the this next this week's has been already written and scheduled. So it will go up on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. So you can go to my Patreon page if you'd like to vote, which is found at patreon.com slash Podcast. And you can vote again in this week's poll, which will be about what you think the base price of the dual motor version will be. Now, I do, in fact, have a quick mini update on Cybertruck production, and it is this. A second 9,000-ton Gigapress is in transit to Giga Texas. According to shipment data captured by Gregor Truck of the Cybertruck Owners Club Forum, this is a summary from Teslarati, so a tip of the cap to them, a package arrived at a local port from Idra, that is the manufacturer of the Gigapresses, on March 16th, with the receiving entity being named on the documents as, you guessed it, Tesla. This is likely to be the first portion of a larger machine as additional bills of lading indicate there are more inbound shipments that are headed to the Texas factory. Well, my question is, is this a duplicate of the Gigapress that's already there in order to make more trucks more quickly? Or is this simply a vital piece of the production line that wasn't already in place and installed? Either way, it's good news, certainly, because if it happens to be my first thought, a duplicate press to make more trucks more quickly, then it's extra good news, as it would seemingly indicate that Tesla is preparing to get ramped up in production ASAP to start moving through the many hundreds of thousands of reservations. Now, I know the reservation count is in fact a seven-figure number, but just trying to be a little realistic, when you weed out all of the people who aren't going to go through with it for one reason or another, be it the long amount of time that's gone by since reservations opened up back in November of 2019, the near fact that there almost certainly will not be a $40,000 version of the Cybertruck, etc. The number of actual orders is still going to be a high six-figure number. I mean, and that, by the way, that's way more reservations than the SX3 or Y had, though in fairness, the $100 reservation amount for the Cybertruck is the lowest of the five Tesla vehicles by a factor of 10. A factor of 10, the Model 3 was a $1,000 deposit. The Model S and X were $5,000 each. Uh, And the Model Y, hold on, it took me a second, was $2,500. That was an actual order, order deposit, not a reservation, which was part of the reason it was a higher, higher price. Anyway, the point is, Tesla has a long reservation backlog to get through as quickly as they can. And that's without taking into account the fact that once this thing hits the streets, there are going to be a lot more reservations coming in as it starts to get out there and advertise itself. And then the word of mouth starts to spread as well. So we are just getting started with production insanity on the Cybertruck. Sooner the better. Let's get started. Uh, Next up, before this week's news proper, 
I hope all of you backing me at that $10 per month tier or higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which I do each and every week for the folks at the $10 tier or higher on my Patreon. This one was about my deep thoughts on the new ultra red paint for the Model S and Model X after I've now gotten to see it in various lighting conditions, up close, far away, so I've had a little more exposure to it, and I thought I would do a little mini lightning round episode about it. And as a reminder, anytime any of you are kind enough to join the Patreon to support my efforts with this podcast at that $10 a month tier or higher, you get access to all of the lightning round mini episodes. There are now, I believe, 39 of them. This week was number 39, so there's a lot of content up there that you'll get immediate access to if indeed at some point you decide to back me on Patreon. So again, find out more about that on my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. Don't forget, you can either pledge monthly or if you want to do the annual pledge, just pledge once for an entire year, there is a 10% discount. That is an increase. So that is there's now a 10% discount for the annual pledge. All right, let's get rolling with this week's Tesla news. First up, we have reportedly, and I do want to emphasize that this is not confirmed. There are sources involved, but this is not known confirmed fact as of yet. So just take it with a little grain of salt, but we have reportedly got a better idea of what's changing in the upcoming Project Highland revamp of the Model 3. This story comes via Not A Tesla App, who writes, Despite Tesla keeping the car under wraps for months, we now have early information on the major changes coming to the best-selling electric vehicle of all time. Which I guess is a side note, I wonder how much longer the Model 3 is going to hold that title before the Model Y surpasses it. Now, the 3 is still selling quite well every year, so the, it's not as if Model 3 sales stopped and the Model Y will pass it quickly. It'll take a little while, but the Y is going to overtake it. Anyway, not a Tesla app continues saying, Thanks to a trusted insider, we can confirm and provide more information about Tesla's plans for the car. Inside and out, the Highland will change. First up, they say the Model 3 revamp will include redesigned headlights. The new headlights will be a different shape than they are today. Tesla has been providing some models with matrix headlights, but they have yet to be enabled through software. Tesla will continue to offer matrix headlights through this redesign, although it's not clear whether they'll be enabled at launch either. So my comment on this, I decided to structure this segment by just commenting, giving you a little insight and analysis after each piece, because this is a, it's a pretty substantial report. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven pieces to this. So we're going to go piece by piece. And my comment on the headlights is as such, is interestingly, the Model S and Model X didn't get a headlight refresh with their recent updates. You know, if we want to call it a redesign, sure, call it a refresh, sure. But the headlights, at least the headlight housing, did not change. The, the shape of the housing stayed the same, but they did get improved headlights. So the insides, the lamps, got upgraded, but the shape of the headlight housing stayed the same. So on the Model 3, 
I wonder if the DRL shape, the, the shape of that light, is going to change or if there'll be anything else that'll be really noticeable. Next piece. A new shape of headlights also means a new front bumper. There has been a lot of speculation that the front of the car is changing after recent images show a smoother front end. Tesla is always looking for more aerodynamics to improve the drag coefficient. However, there's another good reason for redesigning a new front bumper. The front bumper will now house a single camera in the center area of the lower vent area of the bumper, not unlike what's on the Cybertruck beta, the, the most recent production beta. So, from the spy shots, meaning the Model 3, the Project Highland spy shots that I've talked about before, I don't know if you've had a chance to see them online, you can't see what the actual new front end looks like because of, again, those the custom front bra that wraps the entire front end. But you can see that the shape is different. That much is obvious. To me, I would describe it as leaner and maybe even a little longer, although I fully recognize that the longer portion could be an optical illusion. It might, it might not actually be longer. Could be my eye deceiving me just based on the fact that Tesla's trying not to fully reveal this, that they have it literally under wraps. Still though, I am much more excited about that front bumper camera than anything else. The fact that the Cybertruck also has that front bumper camera down low is very is a very, very compelling piece of this. Because if all of the Teslas are gonna have a camera on the very front edge of the bumper, that could help not just with FSD by quite a bit, but that could also help with the ultrasonic sensorless parking situation and help you help the car detect and thus help avoid you from hitting or scraping the, the bottom of the front fascia on those parking curbs, right? That are that we all deal with all the time. Next up here, the rear bumper of the vehicle is also being redesigned, although it's not clear why. We don't expect the rear camera to change position and there won't be additional cameras in the rear of the vehicle. The new rear bumper could just be to refresh the car or may have cost-saving measures. Well, there's really nothing to this one, I don't think. It's just as simple as you don't refresh just the front of the car and keep the same six-year-old rear end of it. So I suspect that that rear bumper, the back end, We'll get a, a very slight nip and tuck as well, but probably nothing major. Heck, maybe it'll even have the exact same taillights because after all, the Model 3 only just started to get the same taillights that the Model Y has, where the, the curved outer edge portion is the brake light and the, the small horizontal bar in the center of the taillight is an amber turn signal rather than on most of our Model 3s, that's the brake light. Uh, next, Not A Tesla app adds that updated mirrors are also joining the party. We're told they will receive a very minor refresh and will look very similar to the way they do today. Well, on this one, I suspect these new headlights are, excuse me, new side view mirrors are probably just possibly literally 1% more aerodynamic, just, you know, ever so slightly more aerodynamic, 
which would be reason enough for Tesla to change them, right? Because as we have seen with this company, every little bit helps. Tesla has employed that strategy to great effect for many years now. They'll, they'll change everything from the wheel bearings to the suspension to the wheel designs. Any, every little thing that can add just, just a little bit to the aerodynamic efficiency of the car, they will do, and then cumulatively it has a substantial effect and a substantial boost on range. Uh, next up, not a Tesla app says, we can now say that more cameras will indeed be used in Project Highland. There will be three new cameras in all, the aforementioned one at the center lower portion of the front bumper, and two more on the sides of the vehicle. The Fender camera housing will now contain two cameras each. One will face backwards, as it does now, while the other will point in the other direction, forward. It's not clear how the new camera will be oriented, although if it's pointing in the other direction, that seems like it's clear enough, but we speculate that they will be aimed off to the side to give the car a better view at certain intersections. Yeah, by forward, I don't mean literally straightforward. It's gonna have a, a wide field of view, but it should, in theory, allow for, if not literally a 180 degree view from the front fender between the, the two cameras on that on that uh, repeater, cam repeater camera housing it'll be now. If it won't be 180, it'll probably be close with maybe a, a small blind spot directly 90 degrees out from the car, but we shall see. Uh, all right, so my commentary on this is as follows, because this is, Really, this is the most interesting part of this. Extra cameras on the sides of the car are extraordinarily interesting. Now, the reason that I'm entertaining this at all, I mean, sure, not a Tesla app says they have a good source, so I'm willing to report that. Again, just passing along a little, just hold the grain of salt just in case, but we'll feel good about it for the time being. And the thing is, this matches up exactly with what our white hat hacker friend Green the Only reported on Hardware 4 from just a few weeks ago. So the fact that this overlaps with that, aligns with that, seems like a good sign that it's real and it's legit. Of course, it famously doesn't match up with the new Model S's and Model X's that are shipping right now that have the new cameras, but not in any new positions. So the question I must ask then is, Will those hardware four S's and X's that are delivering right now, are they gonna get retrofitted with replacement fender cameras and a retrofitted lower front bumper camera when the time comes? Or are those cars simply going to be stuck in a weird hardware 3.5 void? And the reason I even suggest that is because we've seen stranger things in Tesla's history just in case you're doubting the possibility that the Tesla might leave a small pocket of 2023 S's and X's in, in a weird, unique spot with regard to autopilot hardware, we've seen this happen before. So now we all want to see more cameras in different places in order to make FSD better. Let's really, really hope that this one is true. Item six of seven here. Not a Tesla app says, in order to cut costs, 
Tesla is removing the vehicle's temperature sensor that's used to detect the temperature outside of the vehicle. Instead of using a temperature sensor, the vehicle will determine the exterior temperature based on its GPS location and weather data. This could lead to more accurate temperatures being displayed as wind or other environmental factors can sometimes cause inaccuracies. However, owners will lose the ability to view the temperature in their immediate location, such as their garage. Tesla is also making improvements to its GPS module, which is expected to provide a more accurate location. Well, I'll say this, as much as I was excited about the last item, the new cameras, I am not going to get excited about this one. And it's because I like having a local temperature sensor so that I know exactly what the outside air temperature is. Because I don't know about you, but where I live, there are little microclimates everywhere. Here in the San Francisco Bay Area, you can drive five miles, particularly here in the city, and the weather can change by quite a bit. The temperature can change by quite a bit. And honestly, uh, to that effect, the weather app on my phone is often off by three to five degrees from what the car is telling me the temperature actually is where I am. So I get why Tesla would do this. It's, it is a classic cost-cutting, the best part is no part move from Tesla. And, you know, I'm sure it'll be fine for the overwhelming majority of customers. But personally, I cannot celebrate this one since I don't think it's going to be quite as accurate of a readout from a immediately local perspective. And finally, the last item from Not A Tesla app is inside the vehicle, there will be some changes as well. However, don't expect a major refresh as we saw with the 2021 Model S, but it will still be noticeable. The wood trim is being removed and replaced with a fabric finish, possibly Alcantara fabric that Tesla already uses in the SNX. The vehicle's dash will also receive a facelift, but we weren't given any details on what's changing with it. Again, this could be a way to simplify the manufacturing process instead of offering something new and improved. Well, I've talked about this one already in recent episodes. And quite simply, I'll reserve judgment until I see the new dashboard, see what it looks like. Hopefully it's going to be a nice improvement. That's all we can hope for. But there you have it. So what do you think? Are you excited about the Project Highland Model 3 revamp? If you've been planning to buy a Model 3 this year, are you waiting until the second half of the year so that you can get one of these new Project Highland versions? Personally, I would. If, if my situation allowed for it, and it doesn't always, right? You might need a car urgently. But if your situation allows, I certainly would recommend waiting. Um, I don't think it's reasonable to expect any big range changes to the car. Now, it is very possible, and in fact, maybe probable, that the range will go up a little bit, but I don't think there will suddenly be a 400-mile Model 3. I, I would certainly not expect that. But if, if the range inches up a bit as they switch over, again, probably to the 4680 battery cells, structural battery pack, uh, maybe there's a new chemistry with those, we shall see. But it is possible that the range goes up. I mean, we've got the LFP car that gets 272 miles of range, the base Model 3. 
And I think the dual motor long range is going to come back when the Project Highland cars go into production. It's been gone for months now. I think the natural time for it to come back is with Project Highland when they switch over again, presumably switch everything over to the structural battery pack, the 4680 battery cells. And that car has been a 350 mile range car. We'll see if it inches up at all to maybe 360 or 365. So feel free to call in or email me with your thoughts and reactions to this because this will be a big deal. Even if the look of the car doesn't change drastically, under the skin, the Model 3 is about to change by quite a lot. So feel free to call in, email in, share your thoughts on this, especially if you are planning to purchase a Model 3 this year. Next up this week, Tesla has reintroduced an extended warranty option for the Model S and Model X, and thankfully is introducing an extended warranty option for the very first time on the Model 3 and the Model Y. It's pretty straightforward, of course. It simply extends the exact same terms of the four-year or 50,000-mile warranty, whichever comes first, that you get with your car if you buy it new. And it's just extending that out by an additional two years or 25,000 miles. Again, whichever comes first. The pricing on this extended service agreement is as such. For Model 3s, it's $1,800. For the Model Y, $2,000. Model S, $3,100. And the Model X, it's $3,500. I have a couple of thoughts about this. First, the fact that it's limited to two years, in my, at least my opinion, you, you're, you may feel differently, I think two years is not ideal. Because if you're a person considering an extended warranty, odds are you're probably someone who plans to keep your car for a long time. Now, the other group of people here would be the folks who do a ton of miles in their cars. And no doubt there's also a Venn diagram there where there's some overlap in the middle between those two groups. But two years of coverage, 25,000 miles or two years, the two years specifically is not a lot particularly at a cost of $900 per year on the Model 3, $1,000 per year on the Model Y, and quite a bit higher than that on the S and the X. If I were going to do this, again, as somebody who does plan to keep the car for at least a decade, I would want to extend it at least three years. Get me through seven years, and then I'll feel better about spending the money. And again, maybe that's just me, but I think that's really what it boils down to for me here. If I were going to spend money on this, I would want to get more than just two extra years out of it. Now, all that being said, again, it's just my opinion. This might work brilliantly for many of you. Say, for instance, those of you that plan to keep the car for about six years and you want to just stay covered that whole time. And to answer some questions that you may have as you listen to this, first, no, you cannot buy another one after buying the first two-year extended warranty to cover you from year six to eight. Year six is as far as you can go. However, the answer to can you transfer it, yes. If you sell the car, 
you can transfer this extended warranty to the new owner. Tesla says it as such, quote, the unused portion of your extended service agreement coverage will transfer to the new owner once the vehicle ownership transfer is processed through Tesla. And then one other question that may be in your head right now, I'll go straight to the FAQ answer from Tesla, quote, no, there is no grace period to purchase the extended service agreement. Once your vehicle's basic vehicle limited warranty expires, your vehicle is not eligible for the extended service agreement. Interestingly here, the new S and new X are not included in this. It's offered for S's and X's made prior to 2021, in other words, up through the end of 2020. So I'm not sure what the deal is there. But for me, I'll tell you, I wish Tesla had offered this sooner because I passed both four years and 50,000 miles recently, although, again, not that it matters because it's whichever comes first. In fact, all of us early Model 3 adopters are ineligible to purchase this. All of the 2017 Model 3s and all of the 2018 Model 3s are ineligible. In fact, so are the early 2019s. Basically, if you got your Model 3 before Q or before Q2 of 2019. So if you're a Q1 2019 or earlier like me, you just don't even get a chance to purchase this. So all in all, I would say I'm not thrilled about how short of an extension that this offers. And honestly, I'm not sure about the price, but I am glad that it's being offered as an option for people. You can make the choice if you'd like to buy this. And if you would like to purchase this, you can simply go into your Tesla app under upgrades and you will see this there and can purchase it straight through the Tesla app. Next up this week, Tesla is finally enabling ultrasonic sensor equivalent functionality via the vision cameras for the newer Model 3s, newer Model Ys, new Model S's, brand new Model S's, and brand new Model X's that are all shipping without the ultrasonic sensors in the bumpers. This was first uncovered by our white hat hacker friend, Green the Only, earlier this week, who wrote, Looks like version 2022.45.11 includes the new Vision Park Assist for ultrasonic sensorless cars. The Tesla Vision Park Assist provides visual and audio alerts of surrounding objects. This feature uses the occupancy network to predict high-definition outlines of objects 360 degrees around the car. And thank you to Green, this was later confirmed by Tesla on Friday afternoon when they tweeted it out. So yes, it is officially happening. This software version, uh, this a new version featuring this functionality is going out to the fleet. Now, a Twitter user asked Green the Only, do you know if this auto park is an improved version or does it behave the same, but just without the ultrasonic sensors? To which Green replied, quote, Considering it's only enabled on USS-less cars, I would guess it's inferior to the real USS experience. After all, you can only do so much about the area where you cannot see. And so, 
It remains to be seen now if Tesla is going to eventually disable the ultrasonic sensors in all of our cars that have them, just as they once did before with those of us that have radar in our cars. Everybody, every one of us that's rocking radar in our cars and is in the full self-driving beta, our cars are not using, they are not utilizing that radar. Now, you know, I, I'm certainly willing to give Tesla the benefit of the doubt here because I really do think that they are doing their best to do right by their customers. But I couldn't help this thought crossing my mind this week. If I were being cynical, I would arch my eyebrow like The Rock at the fact that the Model 3s and the Model Ys have been shipping for months without the ultrasonic sensors, leaving those drivers to go for months with a clearly inferior parking experience to the rest of the fleet. But now that the Model S and X finally just dropped the ultrasonic sensors, the update to enable some level of replacement functionality via the vision camera system arrived pretty darn quickly, didn't it? Side note, how good this camera system is remains to be seen. If any of you have this, and I know there are definitely a number of you out there, I would love to hear from you, particularly if you have previously owned a Tesla with ultrasonic sensors and you're, the Tesla you have now does not have them and you have received this software update, please feel free to call in. Again, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, but I'd love to hear from you. Now, again, that was a cynical thought that went through my mind. Honestly, the, I think the more likely explanation here is that Tesla just held off on shipping the new, new, new S's and X's without the ultrasonic sensors until they knew for sure that the software update was imminent as to not have even more cars out there, including people paying six figures for their cars. Although not that they should get any preferential treatment compared to three and the Y buyers who are also paying very good money for a car that should have this functionality. Uh, but again, cynical thought, but if there's any connection to the S and the X piece of this at all, it's probably that the S and the X re-re-refresh was held as long as it could until Tesla knew that the software update was imminent for the vision camera parking assistance system. In any case, again, I'd love to hear from any of you affected by this once you get the update in your car. Feel free to give me an honest verdict on how this is compared to having physical ultrasonic sensors. Let's keep it rolling with one more story this week. I know I've been talking for a while. There's been plenty to talk about this week. The Twitter account Tesla App Updates, which I have cited here before, their Twitter handle is Tesla underscore app underscore iOS. Well, they dug into the code in the latest version of the Tesla iOS app and found a new feature that should be available soon. And that feature is called Charge on Excess Solar. Thank you to Tesla Roddy for the summary on this, who writes, the feature will utilize only clean energy accumulated from a solar array to charge the vehicle, which aligns with the description of the feature, which is actually described in the code as drive on sunshine 
get the cleanest charge for your car. And then there's another bit of text in the code that describes it as such. Plug in your vehicle at home during the day to charge using the excess clean energy generated by your solar system. Set your charge limits and location and tell your vehicle when and where to charge only from excess solar. Well, I suppose the value of this could vary depending on how your net metering works if you're a solar user. Now, I readily admit I am still learning quite a lot about solar, but I think, I, I was Googling this trying to find it, I think I get the same rates selling it back to the grid as whatever time of day it is that I'm selling it back. In other words, I think that I'm paid peak prices during peak hours for any juice that I feed back into the grid. But I still haven't had a bill with a credit on it yet since I only just got my solar and it's been winter. Now, at least thankfully, I'm very happy that winter is officially over and it's officially spring this week. Yay. But anyway, if that's how it works for all utility companies and I have no idea if that's how it works across the board, then this might not be as useful because I would want to be putting that most valuable energy that I'm generating back into the grid rather than in the, into the car in the afternoon. But if you're on a system where you only get paid at off-peak rates no matter what time of day you're putting the energy back into the grid because, quite frankly, I could totally see utility companies doing that, then... I think this feature would be pretty awesome because rather than sell it back to the to the utility company at a low price, well, it's more valuable to just go into your car instead. Regardless, though, I absolutely love this new feature because it is Tesla doing something that, with zero effort from the customer, allows the cars to be powered by renewable energy on a more frequent basis. And that's part of the whole mission statement of the company, right? So bravo to the Tesla team on this feature. All right, that is everything I've got for you in another busy week of Tesla news. But stick with me. I've got plenty of your excellent Ride the Lightning Hotline phone calls queued up and ready to go right after this. Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. It's time to hear from you in the Ride the Lightning Hotline, your chance to call in and be a part of the podcast. There are two easy ways to do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at my Ride the Lightning email address, which is teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90 second or less call and actually call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It is a toll-free number. Dial at any time. And the number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake. Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. 
Let's kick it off with Sean from New York City responding to a caller from eh, maybe several shows back about a uh, unfortunate parking garage situation. So here's Sean. Hey, Ryan. Sean Bloom calling in from New York City. Was listening to last Sunday's show, and the caller from New York mentioned the parking garages in New York City not allowing Teslas. And I thought about it for a moment, and I paused the show to call in because I think they're doing it because they don't like sentry mode. See, the parking garages in New York City don't like to be held accountable if they scratch your car. And these cars have sentry mode and cameras all around them, so if they bump another car into your car, for example, when it's parked, you now know. And that's my two cents. I don't think it's about valet mode. I think it's about making money. And having to repair cars doesn't make them profitable. Anyway... Uh, Keep up the great work with your podcast, and I'm curious what other listeners think. Hey, Sean. Well, please don't take this the wrong way, but I sure hope you're wrong. What I mean by that is, is damage to your car in a New York City parking garage really that commonplace? I sure hope not, but it sure sounds like that's the case based on your experience. If I ever end up having my car in New York City... Please tell me there is a reliably safe place to put it where nothing bad will happen to it. But Sean, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Next, another response to a previous call. This is why I love this segment. We can all help each other out. Travis from San Diego responding to a pro tip from a couple of shows ago about how to kind of hack your way to get five shortcut icons on that home row at the top of your Tesla app. Go ahead, Travis. Hey, Ryan. It's Travis from San Diego. I'm just calling in regards to a previous caller's uh, suggestion on the Tesla app to make five icons available to you. Um, While it sounds cool in theory, I ran into what could be potentially a massive security issue, and that's when you have the fifth icon, whatever icon is on the far right of the five that you selected as your your hotkeys, so to speak, um, that one will active, activate randomly. And um, I've noticed this after I kept getting notifications in the middle of the night that my trunk was left open. And after doing a ton of digging and coming across a Reddit post, somebody had mentioned that on there, um, that that was an issue. And so you can have your, your listeners test it out for themselves, but uh, that was the issue with mine. Sure enough, I opened my Tesla app and my fifth icon, which was on the far right, was the open trunk um, icon. So as soon as I removed it, no issues. But I say that could be a security issue because if for whatever reason somebody has a start icon on the right or a unlock car button on the right or whatever it is, um, that could potentially go off at any time. So um, just a word of caution. All right. Thanks a lot. Bye. Whoa, Travis, that is a crazy thing to have happen. But I guess we can't be super surprised when getting that fifth shortcut icon itself is a bit of a hack in the first place. Thank you very much for that word of caution. I'm happy to pass that along to everybody else out there. Next up, Chris from Chicago. Go ahead, Chris. Hi, Ryan. Chris from Chicago again. As you know, I recently purchased a Rivian R1S. and I, I know this is not a Rivian podcast. Uh, however, I, I just completed a road trip from Chicago to Houston and back. 
in the Rivian. And I just wanted to briefly uh, just compare the charging experience, you know, versus using the supercharge Tesla supercharger network and the Electrify America charging network. Um, and it's really like all, all the listeners here are obviously electric fans and predominantly Tesla fans. So it's really nice to step outside, you know, my own comfort bubble of the supercharging network and see how you know, get a real world experience of how third party fast charging is um, and you know specifically the electric electrify America network um, I made it there and back minimal issue there's a couple stations um, that wouldn't initiate a charge and um, and I would say overall obviously the sites are nowhere near as prevalent um, as Tesla that I mean every year I've I've had my I've had my Tesla since 2016, and the network has doubled every year that I've had it. So it's never been a concern driving anywhere, road tripping, and anything. The amount of planning you need for a third-party um, road trip is is a little bit different. And while the Electrify American network's getting there, it's still you know it's still spotty. And plus, at most sites, there's only four stalls. So even if you get to a site it's a gamble whether whether you get a spot or not most tesla stations or locations that go in now you know they're not putting in a minimum of four at any of these and most of them are 16 plus i mean but again it's nice to recalibrate and realize that let's not all take for granted this tesla supercharging network because it's a monster and it is fantastic and it's as seamless as it can be to pull up and plug in and that's it the, the third-party networks need their own whatever network you're using it needs its own app you need your own account you need to you know activate the charger hopefully it works you need to pair with the car it's very clunky and it's borderline not enjoyable um, so I putting my two cents out there of anybody who's on the fence of considering a Tesla or a non Tesla really I would say that you need to consider if you're planning on taking road trips in the vehicle and if it's a yes it really doesn't make sense to buy a non-Tesla. You're just going to, you know, line yourself up for some aggravation, I think, and uh, have a questionable road trip at best. So uh, love the love the show, Ryan. Keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate you sharing this experience, Chris. Personally, I've only read anecdotes from non-Tesla EV owners out there who've used Electrify America. I myself have never actually tried one of their chargers. But unfortunately, the overwhelming majority of people seem to say that, at best, the Electrify America network has, shall we say, a lot of room for improvement. Not that it's terrible, mind you, I'm not trying to say that, but that it's just nowhere close to the Tesla supercharger network. And you know, on that note, that's really the one thing that I would add to your word of caution about road tripping in other EVs. Tesla's opening their network up to everyone else, as you know, and certainly it's going to take a while for a large portion of that U.S. supercharger network to be available to non-Teslas. But as that access becomes more prevalent, it will make the road tripping case much easier to make for other vehicles, be it Rivian or anyone else. Tesla really, really got this right when they started rolling out the supercharger network back in 2012. No swiping your card, nothing. Just plug it in and go. I mean, it's really hard to argue with any of the decisions that the team made back then. 
And the fact that they have continued to build out and expand the supercharger network has arguably become even more of a competitive advantage because for most of the past 11 years of the supercharger network's life, there wasn't any legitimate competition in the EV space at all. Now that there is, it's becoming really clear how much better the supercharger experience is than anything else. But here's hoping that Electrify America continues to grow and improve because it really is. It's a good thing for everyone. We want it to be better. Thank you again, Chris, for your call. Andrew from Ottawa is next. Hey, Ryan, Andrew from Ottawa calling. Uh, I'm calling uh, in a long time. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, that's about your question about autopilot use on the highway. Now, I'm one of those people that uses it almost every chance he gets. Uh, but one of the main reasons why I might choose to turn autopilot off is that it forces the windshield wipers into an auto mode. And I guess if the camera senses that there could be some sort of visibility impairment, it'll turn the windshield wipers off. And in the winters especially, with... Uh, salt that we use on the roads and then it gets tossed up in the air and it goes on the cars everywhere it always senses that it's dirty and so windshield wipers are constantly going on autopilot which is honestly really annoying especially if you know you've used your uh, windshield wiper fluid you've rinsed it off and it looks good to me but clearly not good enough for uh, the camera also the um, limited speed during inclement weather is another factor and obviously just winter storms that are pretty common in the winter uh so i love it always use it when i can but those are some of the situations when i might not use autopilots and uh i can't wait for a day that it that it can uh deal with inclement weather but unfortunately that is probably a ways away anyway hope you're doing well take care say hi to daisy and selena and take care bye Andrew, thanks for your call. You have reminded me that I, too, find Autopilot's decisions to clean the cameras to be maddening. It will do this even when I've just washed the car, and, I mean, I guess the light catches it just the, well, wrong way or something, and it decides to spray it down again. The last time it tried to do this to me, I actually managed to catch it in time. It was the first time I'd ever caught it, and thankfully because it gives you like a three second warning on the screen before it activates. So I was able to disengage autopilot and spare my already very clean windshield from a bunch of water and water streak marks on it when it dries. Hopefully that when I should clean logic for the car improves over time. Take care, Andrew. Thanks so much. One more call this week. It'll come from Peter in Amory, Wisconsin. Hey, Ryan, it's Peter from Amory, Wisconsin. Um, with, uh, you know, Giga Mexico being announced and all that, I was wondering what your thoughts are on um, out of the three following continents, uh, Australia, Africa, and South America, where do you think the next Giga factory could be built if it were built on one of those? Because I feel like of all three, Australia has the most demand um, from what I've, you know, seen on articles and you talking on the show. Uh, but I can imagine importing and exporting would be expensive. South America may not necessarily need one if there's one in Mexico, because that could maybe cover that. So could it be Africa? I, I don't know, but I'm curious what your thoughts are. I hope all is well, and thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hey, Peter. Honestly, I don't think it's going to be any of those. 
Australia just doesn't seem to have the total population density. And, and I want to say, I know I have a lot of Australian listeners. I say that with nothing but love. I went ahead and looked it up. The total population of Australia is 25 million people. So like that's that gives you an idea. It's, it's such a massive continent for a uh, comparatively small population density. Anyway, South America, more of a maybe. Africa, probably not anytime soon. Indonesia has been rumored to be interested in luring Tesla. South Korea has been rumored to be interested. I think it's going to be somewhere in Southeast Asia because, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire, right? We'll see how it goes. We've got Giga Mexico on the way in the meantime. Thank you, Peter, for your call. Thank you to everybody that kindly took the time to call in and be a part of the podcast. Keep your calls coming. I gave you the call-in instructions at the top of the segment. They're also in the episode description if you need them there. And I will look forward to doing more Ride the Lightning Hotline calls on next week's show. But for now, I'm not done. There is more Ride the Lightning yet to come. Stick with me. I'll be right back right after this. I wanted to tell you about something Tesla-related that happened uh, at my house this week. So we had some crazy storms. Again, we actually had a cyclone that made landfall in San Francisco. Just that, that's crazy. And so there was just trees getting blown down and power lines got, you know, things fell on power lines, took out the power. Our entire street, I think a lot of the neighborhood was was dark. It happened in the like late... Mid, mid to late afternoon and lasted a decent bit into the evening after dark. And so for us, we are fortunate we have the Tesla Powerwall. So our lights were on, we were okay, and the entire street, the street lights, the other houses, all black. And th- this is where, I don't know, maybe this is going to sound weird, but I'm just going to be honest. Like, I, I kind of felt guilty that we had power. Like I actually, I turned the front porch light off that I normally have on in the evenings because I, I I was worried that it would be interpreted as like a middle finger to everybody else on the block because we had power. So, you know, I didn't want it to seem like I was bragging, right? So like I turned off the front porch light and I, I don't know, is that weird? Like I, th- this was kind of my first experience of having a an evening outage with power where the power wall was actually keeping our lights on at night versus, you know, we've had a couple little little mini outages during the day, but yeah, this this was one, I don't know, maybe that's, do you, does anybody else feel that way too? Or has any of your, have any of your neighbors ever kind of like asked you about it later or, or you know, given you a dirty look? I don't know. Hopefully they asked you inquisitively, like, oh, how'd you guys still have power? But Anyway, that was that was a, a power wall moment that happened this week. Hey, how about an entertainment recommendation? At my wife's recommendation, I started watching a show on Apple TV Plus called Shrinking. It is about a group of psychologists. It stars Jason Siegel and Harrison Ford's in it too. I'm on. A, I guess I'm on a bit of a Harrison Ford kick because I was watching uh, 1923, the Yellowstone prequel. But yes, I'm I'm only a few episodes in, but shrinking's pretty good so far. So if you've got Apple TV Plus, that is a recommendation for uh, for some TV you can check out. Next up, a pro tip of the week. This one comes from Tyler in Greater Boston. 
Hi Ryan, this is Tyler from Greater Boston. I just wanted to provide a tip for those hoping to subscribe to FSD Beta and then get access to it immediately. Um, the best way to check this is to go to teslafi.com and then Software Tracker. In there, there's a Contributing Vehicles section that shows all of the versions um, and there'll be red characters showing the FSD version that's attached to it. And if you find the version that you have in that list and then compare where the FSD, the latest FSD version is that has at least a couple hundred vehicles in it, um, you'll be able to see if your version is newer or older than that FSD version. You'll only be able to subscribe to FSD and get immediate access if the FSD version, the latest version of it, is above or more current than your version. So um, Tesla's gone back and forth whether this is the case or not of it being on the latest branch. So highly recommended for people to check that before subscribing to try to get access. Thanks. Great suggestion here, Tyler. We don't want people to end up spending 200 bucks for an FSD beta trial that they might not end up getting in their one month subscription window if they happen to be on the quote unquote wrong version of the software. I think this is an especially relevant tip now that anybody can get into the beta if they just pay for access to FSD. Thank you very much for this one, Tyler. Hopefully you can help save some of your fellow owners some money, you know, as, uh, as we wait for the ongoing rollout of FSD beta to continue here with 11.3.3. If anybody else has a pro tip of the week, I would love to hear it. I'd love to share it with all of you. So you can send those in the same way that you send in the regular Ride the Lightning hotline calls. All right, before I go, let me mention some friends of the podcast who can hopefully be of use to you. Starting with abstractocean.com, they make a ton of awesome aftermarket accessories. There's the rear footwell lighting kit that I'm quite fond of, particularly for those of you with a Model Y. It'll add a nice little accent light underneath the seats that are on risers, uh, those front seats, so the, your passengers in the second row have a you know nicer, just a nicer uh, ambiance in there as well. So you can check that out. There's also the drop-in cup holder stabilizer, the fourth-generation tempered glass screen protectors, custom fit for your Tesla as well. Don't miss those. And so many more products at abstractocean.com. Use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. Again, that coupon code RTLPODCAST, all one word. The snap plate, which you can get for any of the four Teslas at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is the, the front license plate frame, uh, front license plate bracket that I would recommend instead of the one that Tesla gives you. If you either want a front license plate on your car or need to have one by law, get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. This is a front license plate bracket that'll snap on and off in seconds. But when it's on, it's a nice, clean, minimal design. And when it's on, it's on safely and securely. But if you want to take it off for a car show, if you're detailing the car, it will leave no unsightly hardware behind. So make those fix-it tickets go away at uh, everyamp.com slash RTL. Meanwhile, budgetsafesolar.com. That's who did my solar installation. I am happy 
you're gonna look at Tesla Solar, sure, I did. But if it doesn't work out with Tesla Solar for whatever reason, Budget Safe Solar can uh, help you put together a custom, custom plan, a custom proposal just for your home or your business. And why wait? Don't wait around. If you have the slightest interest in installing solar, go now because tomorrow your neighborhood, your neighborhood may have reached its circuit capacity and might not be able to handle another customer supplying that aged infrastructure until repairs are completed who knows when from now. Don't get shut out because you thought that unattractive roof had another year left in it. Visit them today at budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do proceed with an installation, please use the referral code RTL. How about Immaculate Reflections? If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, take your car over to Immaculate Reflections. I promise you will not regret it. Whether you want to do paint correction to get your paint finish looking as good as it possibly can. Maybe you want to do paint protection film on the front of the car or the front of the car and the rear and the rocker panels, you know, those key areas. Maybe you want to do the whole thing. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Any of that, all of that, there's a discount for Ride the Lightning listeners. So you can go to the Immaculate Reflections website at irdetailing.com And when you reach out to Immaculate Reflections, mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener. And if you book in any work with them, there will be a nice little discount waiting for you. You can also see Jeff the Instagram, the Jeff the Instagram, Jeff the Immaculate Reflections installer, the master detailer, as it were. You can see examples of his work on his Instagram, which is Immaculate underscore Reflections, or on Yelp, at yelp.com slash immaculate reflections. How about puretesla.com slash RTL? That is the place to go to get a nice, reliable, affordable, shipped free anywhere in the US USB drive that is micro SD based. So it is designed for the constant reading and writing, the constant work that the drive has to do for the dash cam and sentry mode functionality. Go to puretesla.com slash RTL. 49 bucks will get you the 128 gigabyte kit. $69 will get you the 256 gigabyte kit. Both come fully formatted and ready to go for Tesla cam. They are plug and play straight out of the package into your car, works with Mac or PC when you wanna review the footage later. They'll ship anywhere worldwide, but again, free shipping anywhere in the US. They also sell a nice wireless game controller kit as well, if that is of interest to you. You can find all of that at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then uh, if you're not already subscribing to slash following the podcast, depending, every podcast service calls it something different, but you can subscribe to slash follow this podcast on all the major podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and then I'm also on YouTube, just audio only, but if you do want to listen on YouTube, you can do that uh, on YouTube. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla. You should find my channel very quickly and easily, and you can subscribe to it there. Uh, I mentioned at the top of the podcast the Patreon. This is a listener-supported podcast. I've been at this for... Seven and a half years now, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it's 399 weeks, whatever that is. 
However, however long that is, is how long I've been going. And I am supported by you guys. Totally voluntary. The show will always be free every Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. But if you see it in your heart to support me, I would genuinely, sincerely appreciate it. You would be helping, uh, helping me, helping my family. And the support tiers start at just five bucks a month. And for five bucks a month, you will get early access to each week's show. For the 10 bucks a month that I mentioned at the top of the podcast, you'll get the early access each week and you'll get that lightning round weekly bonus mini episode as well, including the entire archive of them, which is now, as I said, up to 39 of those. So you can get all of that by backing the Patreon, supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. You can email me anytime teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. My handle is the same on both. It's DMC underscore Ryan. And I think other than saying a hello and thank you to the higher tier Patreon backers, I think we're about done. So let me start with the Roadster in Space tier backers. I had a wonderful time talking to Tesla Hitchhiker 42 last weekend. The Roadster in Space tier backers, in addition to, I mean, they get all the perks with the unique one to them being a monthly one-on-one hangout with me if you if they elect to choose it. And Tesla Hitchhiker 42 pretty well always does, and I always enjoy our conversations. So thank you to her for taking the time to chat with me and for very kindly backing me at that Roadster in Space tier. I want to thank the rest of the Roadster in Space tier backers, Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, and Kara Weston. Next up, the Plaid level supporters who are grandfathered in as they continue to very kindly support me at that Plaid tier, even though it's it's been officially eliminated, but they're able to continue in uh, grandfathered in. So thank you all very much for your continued support. George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peake, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altschul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla Owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. And finally, the Maximum Plaid backers. They get invited to the monthly Zoom Hangout which is always a treat. That is the, the, the hour flies by every single month. I have a great time with that. Uh, I will say I'm going to be out of town the first weekend of April. So we're going to do it the second weekend of April uh, for this for this next one. So just as a, as a warning, if you're curious, I have not forgotten about it. I promise you that. But uh, thank you very much to the Maximum Plaid backers. And I hope to see and talk to many of you at that next Zoom hangout for the Maximum Plaid tier and higher coming up in April. So thank you to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, 
Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaro, Derek Nesselrode, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoie, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, and Travis Krenzel. Whew, it has been another busy week of Tesla news here on episode 399, and I guess I'll just spoil it for you now, just in case you're wondering, well, Ryan, you had Elon Musk on episode 200, so is he back for episode 400? No, he is not. <laughs> I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, or it's, at least it's extraordinarily difficult because when I got him for episode 200, it was back when there was a PR team that I could run this through. Now it's, uh, it's pretty difficult to get to Elon. And if you've got an in to get, to get access to him, let me know. And I would be happy to, to try and hook up another interview. But in any case, we're still going to have a good show next week for episode 400. I hope you'll join me. In the meantime, thank you so much for taking the time here on episode 399 to listen through to the whole thing. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make, it's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.